Hello everybody, welcome to the Christian Bible Study Ministry Podcast. I hope and pray that this program finds you blessed, Uh, and even if you don't think that you're blessed, please know that you are, you are blessed if you belong to Jesus Christ. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that I know personally who are going through a lot of stuff right now. And um, I pray for them every day, uh, spiritual needs uh, especially. So, but anyway, the subject of today's program is going to be uh, the judgment, or rather how uh, Christ has treated us like Noah and his family. And uh, we're going to talk a lot um, about the flood and what the world was like at that time, and how the world will be when Christ comes again. Uh, we're not going to go uh, into a lot of uh, antediluvian geology and things like that here. That's a subject for another program. But it is something that will be uh, at least somewhat discussed because I think it's important. So we're going to read, and we're going to be reading from uh, Genesis chapter six and. Then we will go to Matthew chapter 24, verses 37 through 39. So we will start from Genesis chapter 6. You know, the antediluvian world is a very fascinating subject. And, uh, you know, when when we read this chapter, uh, you know, the first six chapters or so, or even actually in chapter 7 of Genesis, we find that... The entire earth was just totally different from uh, what we see around us today. Uh, the world which God created was perfect until Adam and Eve sinned. And over the generations, uh, unfortunately, as mankind multiplied, uh, sin also increased. And it just it, it got to the point to where uh, we're going to see that God was just terribly grieved and decided to... Uh, and modern kind of uh, and modern parlance hit Earth's delete key and start over, uh, and it was indeed quite a divine judgment. Uh, I don't think uh, I do not think we totally grasp the nature and level of wickedness that was uh, on the Earth at that time. We are told in Genesis six of the Nephilim, who were the result of the sons of God joining with the daughters of men and created offspring who became mighty men of renown and the hero uh, they were called the heroes of old or at least heroes and men of renown as the world saw them the extent of sin was such that the entire world was filled with violence and because of and because of this and the introduction of the nephilim the Lord set Noah and his family aside and uh, sealed them shut in the ark. But amazingly, he gave the world 120 years to listen to Noah's preaching and repent. For 120 years, the word of righteousness was preached, and yet not one person listened. So we see uh, that the world had totally rejected the Lord with the exception of Noah and his family. Uh, The world had gone on since creation with no rain, 
you know, the rain, rain had not fallen before the flood. Um, the Bible tells us that a water, that you know, that water came up from the ground or a mist came up from the ground and uh, watered everything. So people didn't believe that a great flood was possible. You know, it's like they felt like the laws of nature were fixed, you know, that they couldn't change. And what they uh, refused to believe, unfortunately, was that the Lord would not step in and uh, change things, you know, that they would not have to answer for what they were doing, I guess. And so they were sadly mistaken. The ancient world rejected God and went on about its business, you know, marrying and drinking and thinking nothing about God. Millennia later, Jesus said that this that his return would see the world in the same shape. You know, uh, he will come in an hour when people are not thinking about him by and large. They will be marrying, drinking, partying, you know, and just business as usual. Uh, you know, people are going to be going about their lives just as they always have. And uh, it's going to be, kind of, I guess, kind of like somebody flicking a light switch. All the lights are going to go dark and uh, it's going to catch everybody by surprise. And, you know, but we know that Jesus' return will not see the world destroyed by water. Instead, it's going to be done with fire. Now, uh, we'll go to and actually read Genesis chapter 6. Excuse me. Excuse me. I'm pulling my notes up here. Um, verses, you know, we'll read now the first couple of verses. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them that the sons of God, excuse me again, sorry. You know, and they saw that the, that these were fair, excuse me. And it came to pass, we're going to start over again. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. So, there's a lot of uh, speculation about this. Who were these people? Uh, you know, Given the conditions of the earth at the time and the near perfection of the human body, uh, the ability to reproduce was greatly enhanced. Uh, many sons and daughters were born to Adam and Eve, and their sons, Cain and Seth, started their own families. Given the long lifespans, according to uh, the renowned uh, Dr. Henry Morris, you know, uh, a population of just two reproducing at just two percent annually would have more than filled the earth in less than in the less than two thousand years before the flood. Now, the sons of God and the daughters of men is most interesting, as I as I said just a second ago. Uh, in the book of Job, we see the sons of God as a reference to to angelic beings. The daughters of men are, of course, uh, human women, and I'm I'm inclined because of the reference in Job to believe that these were fallen angels who somehow had uh, sexual relations with human women. Uh, probably this was done through possession, you know, a de demonic possession and uh, some kind of uh, subsequent genetic manipulation that uh, took place while they were in uh, control of uh, whatever bodies that they had, you know, during this process. Uh, in the book of Jude, we see a reference to the angels that sinned and are confined to Tartarus and pits of gloom. Now down to verse 3. Uh, and the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. 
yet his days shall be 120 years. So here is where a fantastic character of God is shown, in my opinion. He is giving the world one last chance to repent and be saved from the coming judgment. He initiates a countdown of 120 years. The Lord must eventually judge wickedness, and yet his character demands that he also offer mercy and forgiveness. If we accept him, we have to accept that mercy. Down to verse 4. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were, which were of old men of renown. And you know, this is a continuation of verse 2, as we see that the giants, the Nephilim, were a race that became renowned and regarded as heroes because of their deeds. Now, this is, uh, this is a group of people who were renowned and revered by, by the world because uh, I'm sure that they were warriors and mighty hunters and things like that, you know, but uh, unfortunately for the Nephilim, none of them uh, deemed it necessary to listen to Noah and, his, and, and the preaching. And I have no doubt that these creatures, or the, the Nephilim, were a true giant, you know, that they were a truly... Uh, that they were truly a race of uh, large and powerful people. They were uh, certainly by physical and human standards quite extraordinary. But unfortunately, uh, their righteousness was like filthy rags and they did not uh, heed Noah's warning. And so we'll go down now to verses 5 through 6. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. You know, the extent of evil in the world was so great that everyone around Noah and his family had rejected the Lord completely. You know, we are told that the thoughts of men were only evil continually, they were not interested in God, but only themselves. And, you know, this caused the Lord great hurt. And it was to the extent that he regretted creating man. Uh, his own creation that he loved was, with the exception of Noah and his family, separated from him. You know, God did not actually change his mind about creating man. But rather what this means is that because of the hurt and because of all the sin and wickedness that were on the earth, the Lord kind of, you know, he had wished that he had not made man. He still would have done it, but it's the the actions that were taking place on the world grieved him that much. Down to verse 7. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. This, like I just said, the Lord, you know, it, it grieved him that his entire creation with um, that the with the exception of Noah and his family, everything was just gone. You know, it's it's like it was twisted and distorted. Noah and his family were sinners, but they strive. They were striving to maintain uh, the faith that was passed down through them. You know, Noah was the um, descendant, one of the descendants of Seth, and. Uh, 
he undoubtedly, I'm sure, was raised in a godly home, and so that is that is the tradition that he brought his sons up in. You know, and if man had repented, you know, if man had repented from evil, then the world, I'm sure, would have been spared the flood. But since repentance was not sought, the entire world he had created, he would also destroy. We'll go to verses eight through nine. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. You know, it's a matter of much debate here. You know, the, uh, you know I've read a theory that this is talking about the, the genetic purity of Noah, as in he had no Nephilim blood in him, uh, as it says he was perfect in his generations. Uh, the perfection in his generations being his bloodline, of course, that he had no uh, Nephilim blood in him. Uh, however, I think it's more correct that it simply means that Noah was a man who tried to live righteously and was without blame compared to the world around him. This is why he, I believe, found grace with God. It is, And it's interesting uh, to note that Noah evidently was raised, as I just said, in a godly home as he was descended from Seth the third child of Adam and Eve. Uh, remember, uh, uh, Abel was killed by Cain, and Cain was exiled. So, you know, and he uh, took a wife and uh, started his own family. Uh, but the Lord blessed uh, Adam and Eve with a third son, Seth, and that is whom Noah is descended from. Verses 9 through 10, these are the generations of Noah Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah, again, walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So what we have here is, is simply the sons of Noah and the statement that Noah was a just man and that he walked with God. Again, this is what saved Noah and his family from what was to come. Noah had, Noah, yes, Noah was a sinner. I'll repeat that. Noah was a sinner just like his family was. But their heart, that they chose to focus their thoughts and their way of life on trying to uh, follow the example that uh, Abel, that Abel and uh, Seth had. You know, they wanted to follow the word of the Lord. And that is why Noah was chosen along with his family. Verses 11 through 12 the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon uh, the earth. And so God has, you know, is going to tell Noah that the entire world, all flying and terrestrial creatures, uh, are to be wiped out. A complete reset. You know, <clears throat> uh, it is interesting that even... The animals were included in this. Uh, it could be that the relations between uh, man and beast had been so corrupted by the curse of Adam that the Lord deemed it necessary to include uh, to include the animals as well. Uh, more likely, I, I think it's uh, it was done because God knew that it would be impossible for eight people to survive a world full of hostile animals. You know, for long after the flood, you know, they would have no real kind of protection against. Uh, these animals who were uh, 
who had uh, turned uh, carnivorous, I'm sure, by that point. So the Lord in his providence said all these creatures will be wiped out. We're going to skip down to, or excuse me, we're going to go down now down to verse 13. And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. This makes it quite clear that both the world and all land and, land and air creatures will be destroyed. So we see that the very world itself was destroyed and a new one created. This is where I taught, you know, we've, it kind of gets into uh, uh, antediluvian geology a little bit here. Uh, the world, you know, the world that we see now, the physical world that we see now did not exist uh, at the time of Noah and the flood. It was a vastly different landscape and a different uh, ecology, you know, and maybe even a different ecology. Things were way different, you know, but again, that's a subject for another program. So, and we're going to skip down to verse 17, uh, you know, as we're not going to go over the description of the ark. Uh, verse 17, and behold, I, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. We're going to read verse 18. But with thee I will establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons, and thy wife, and thou and thy sons' wives with thee. So, the Lord establishes his covenant with Noah and his family. You know, they would be saved from the judgment. They, they were going to be saved from the flood. And I think we can, in a sense, compare this to being grafted into Christ. To be grafted into Christ through faith is to be like Noah and be shut in the ark in this, you know, with his family, shut in the ark and saved from judgment. As the Lord shut in Noah and his family, so are we shut in and saved from this judgment of hell. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and you receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit seals you. It, it's like it's it's like he shuts the door. Um. It's like it was like shutting the door, uh, shutting the door of the ark, and sealing Noah and his family safely away from the flood. This is what happens when you come to faith in Jesus Christ. That door, that proverbial door, is shut. You're sealed. You're protected. And it's because of your faith in Christ that the Holy Spirit has come into has come to live within your soul. He is the guarantor of your salvation. He is the deposit which you have received. He is what keeps that door shut and secure. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Very amazing. So now we're going to go to the book of Matthew. Ver uh, Matthew. Uh, excuse me. I hate I keep doing this. Sorry, y'all. I'm just kind of having some issues with my voice today. Uh, but uh, Matthew 24, verses, uh, excuse me, Matthew 24, uh, go down to verses 37 through 39. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so, so shall 
also the coming of the Son of Man be. The world that is here today is going to see this. You know, uh, and Jesus here affirms the historicity of the flood uh, and at the same time promises that the world at the time of the rapture will be just as it was in the antediluvian time. People will have rejected God and uh, a judgment will come. I believe it's fascinating how there are parallels between the first and second judgments, you know, the flood and the judgment that is going to come uh, at the end of this age. Noah and his family were in essence raptured in the sense that they were in the, in the sense that they went aboard the ark, they were uh, made safe and secure from the judgment. Christians alive at the time of the rapture will be taken up to meet him in the air. Uh, they will be in the ark, so to speak, and be safe from the awful times ahead. Some will be taken, you know, so some, you know, we see that some people will be raptured up and others left behind due to uh, their unbelief, their rejection of Christ. But instead of 120 years to repent, the war will be given just seven. No, seven years. And this time, a countless number of people will repent and accept Christ. They also, being grafted into Christ, will escape the fires of hell, though some be martyred. So they also, too, in a sense, will have been shut in the ark. Even though they might have to give up their physical lives, you know, the, the Bible says that a lot of people will be martyred the their souls will be secured by their faith in Christ that is what saves us from the fires of hell as our faith in Christ his death his burial his resurrection all who have trusted in Christ will share in the new world a world restored and even better than the original eden Folks, the purpose of all this is to show you that, yes, there will be a worldwide judgment that God will execute on those who reject him. He does not want to finally condemn you, but rather he wants to save you. The people of Noah's time refused to believe, and they all drowned and were condemned. The world today is largely like this. For 2,000 years, it has been preached that this world has an, has an end coming to it. So for 2,000 years, the Lord has exercised with us great patience and grace. But people, we must, realize, uh, we must realize that the time must and will come for him to judge the world. God's patience is indeed very great, but it also has an end. This is something that people don't want to hear. But the Lord, his character demands that he judge sin. We don't want to think about it, but just because we don't want to think about it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. It will happen at some point, whatever that day, whatever day the Lord has set aside, that day will come. And the only way that you can avoid the worst possible, the worst possible fate on that day is to today... Put your trust in Jesus Christ. That is it. There is no other way to escape this judgment. You must be born again. Don't be like the people who laughed. I'm, I'm sure they laughed and scoffed at Noah 
you know, don't be like that. Be wise and listen. If the Holy Spirit is drawing you today, folks, all you have to do is accept him. That's it. So I want to close this out now with a prayer. You know, uh, Lord, Father, I pray that if anybody is listening to this and if they feel you calling them to salvation in Jesus Christ, I pray that they would accept. You know, I pray that they would see that they're that they're lost, that their sins have to be washed away from them in order for them to be saved. I pray that they will see their need for salvation and that they will come to realize the wonderful blessings that you have in store for those who accept you as their Savior. And I just want to pray this in Christ's name, Lord. Amen.